Hey, and welcome to episode 15 of Invest in Scale. This is your host, Gabriel Murillo. And in today's episode, we have Jury from Onfolio. He is the head of strategy and acquisitions. And we get to talk about their journey of buying over 40 businesses in the past few years. They are continuously buying more and more businesses. And they are very different in the sense that they are buying these businesses to hold and not to flip them. We get to talk about the different changes in the industry and the new targets that they are pursuing. So enjoy. Thanks. Hey, Yuri, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome. So you are calling from now? I'm currently in Montenegro. Okay, excellent. That sounds phenomenal. You're going to be there for a few weeks? Yep, a few weeks, and then I head over to Bulgaria for the, the Bansko Nomad Fest, which it seems where a lot of the digital nomads are migrating to this summer. Fascinating. Well, congratulations, and I cannot wait to hear more about your journey and Unfolio. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about what Unfolio does and your role? Sure. So Unfolio is a, is a holding company. We basically acquire and run online businesses. Our business model has changed uh, a little bit over time. We used to help investors acquire and manage the businesses for them. And um, about a year ago, we started pivoting where we, were, we started making acquisitions for ourselves. So now we actually used to acquire or focus on content affiliate websites, but we've shifted strategies over time. And now we're, uh, we're mostly interested in the productized service, uh, agency, SaaS, and uh, digital product space. And so my job is basically, I handle all the deal flow. So my job is to find the businesses that are for sale, to review them, help with the due diligence, and then ultimately making the acquisitions. And then from there, I also help with the digital marketing strategy. We have a full team in place that actually uh, runs the businesses. And with most cases, a lot of the businesses that we're looking to acquire, they already come with teams. So it's not like we need to go in and replace them, but we, you know, we help with the, with the digital strategies there as well. So that's Excellent. kind of the, the summary. Yeah. And it, it, and it's definitely, you know, a whole full-time jump to source the deals. Then, you know, I evaluate in, in depth, but it looks like you've been involved in every single step of the way. And what's one thing that you wish that everybody understands about what you do? I mean, I think it's a difficult job just finding opportunities for, for good businesses. You know, there's always businesses for sale, but finding the good ones at a good price is a little bit tricky. And that's why, like right now, I'm focusing more on private deal flow. So I'm just cold outreaching to, to businesses that I think meet our criteria. Because when you look at the businesses for sale on brokers, right, there's only so many like brokers and so many deals. And if you look at their mailing list, it's probably hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people who are looking at these deals. So there's there's just a lot of competition there. So I think finding finding a good deal is is really a lot of work. Yeah, and especially for you know the e-commerce industry, which I'm just getting myself into, um, looks like the competitors are there or the you know aggregators, all these different companies or groups acquiring e-commerce stores or becoming more and more aggressive on not only the outreach, but also the offers that they're doing. They will tell you that they will buy your business in 30 days. And like some of them, I mean, the craziest one that I've seen so far is like, we'll buy your business in two weeks. So that's quite aggressive compared to like the past two to five years. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'd be a little bit careful with the aggregators. I've actually listened to a couple other podcasts where I've seen 
well, I've heard that they do some very sneaky things, like if they know somebody needs to sell before a certain deadline, they'll end up reducing the price just because they know that you know the seller can't wait anymore. So I would be just very careful and make sure you have a good lawyer on your side to to help you with the negotiations, reviewing the asset purchase agreement. But it definitely has added a lot of extra demand for the businesses, and that's why you like sometimes see the multiples going higher. But also, I know just from speaking to people in the industry that a lot of these aggregators are actually struggling because what's happening is they're acquiring all these businesses. They're growing very quickly, raising money, but they don't actually have enough either staff or expertise to be able to manage them properly. I mean, I just read an article yesterday, Thrasio, which is the largest aggregator of them all. They're doing a huge round of layoffs and they're replacing their CEO so it's one of those things that, yes, they're buying a lot of businesses, but that they're not necessarily the best buyer, especially if the seller is trying to continue the legacy of continuing like a good brand. Wow. That's a tough one, right? Like having a whole, you know, like a, the, the core team member, a CEO of such a large group, I cannot, I cannot imagine like the consequences. And, you know, I think, I think there's definitely a benefit of moving quick and fast in, in, in this environment, but at the same time, it's the long term. And it sounds like what you guys are doing is focus more on that operational expertise and building the team. Can you tell us a little bit more about your team right now? And like, what are your plans to expand your team when it comes to operations? Sure. So we have about like 40 people on the team, including, you know, full-time and freelancers. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in, the, in the growth phase, so we're doing a lot of hiring. So we're building out teams around, you know, different kind of tactics. So, you know, we're going to have like an SEO team, a paid specialist team. Ideally, eventually we'll have like a team for, you know, that specializes in conversion rate optimization. One thing we like to do whenever we acquire a business, we like to keep the entire team in place of the business we're acquiring. And then we usually like to promote somebody internally from that team to step up and kind of act as the CEO or the site manager, because nobody's going to be more familiar with the business than the people already working in it. And also sellers like to see that when somebody's acquiring their business, they're not just firing a bunch of staff and trying to, you know, to reduce expenses and, you know, boost up the profit. So that, that's why I think we, we win some deals, even though we might not be the most competitive on price is just because of our management style. And then some, some acquires, you know, their whole model is, is like website flipping. So they'll buy, they'll grow their flip where ours is basically to buy and hold forever. That that's our model. And yeah, we have teams in place to run it either the ones that come with the team or internally. And yeah, we have somebody, you know, in charge of like on the SEO team that helps with the, the link building and the keyword research we like to have a site manager in charge of every website we acquire, and they're kind of like spearheading the different parts uh, that are needed to grow the business. We're growing our content team. That's a big one for us. So yeah, just a lot of different moving pieces. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I think one of the core leading groups out there, uh, Tiny Capital with you know this model of what, what you were just mentioning, it's bringing some of these owners and offering a, a different type of exit where... They get to participate if they choose to in the evolution of that business after it's closed. And regardless of what you guys are doing in the future or not, have you studied any other type of incentive for sellers or any other models or even for your team members? I mean, I, I can only imagine 
you know, talking to a technical person. I used to work, I used to have my own web agency, you know, 10 years ago. And, and it was tough to talk to a technical person that just do, you know, let's say building the design or building the, the, back then I was doing WordPress website. So building a WordPress website and talk about, you know, seven figure deals, eight figure deals, very, very hard to do that with those team members. So, you know, the question is about incentive either for the team members or, the people that are selling outside of the cash and outside of money—is there anything else that you've seen that works out there? Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen the incentives. I've I've seen actually businesses that have incentives if the businesses get sold, so then their team is already taken care of. The thing with the, the owner staying on board, I think, is a lot of the a lot of the businesses that are being sold by somebody who already has another business and they don't really want to be involved anymore. So they kind of want to just sell it and let go. So they might stay on for like. 30 or 60 days to do training and support. But, you know, their goal is kind of to leave the business. I've also seen other businesses where, you know, it's much more about the person and the team running it. They don't have anything else. And yeah, they're looking for an exit. They want to take some money off the table, but they want to continue being involved in the business. And some of them might even want to see some upside, right? So they might want to keep some equity, you know, maybe sell 80% and keep 20 or even sell 100% but still get, you know, have some kind of uh, tie to the business where if they help grow it, they get, you know, they get bonuses or a uh, commission or something just so that they have incentives to, to continue to like stay on and continue to grow the business. So there's all types of different arrangements. You know, the higher you go with the price and, the, and you know, the acquisition price, then you start seeing of like earnouts where, you know, you might pay a certain amount upfront and then the rest of it might be an earnout over two or three years, depending on performance. Yeah, understood. Yeah, it makes sense. And in terms of for your team as well, have you guys thought about any sort of incentive for the deals or are you kind of just focused on their career and like growing within the company, like a traditional growth plan for your teams? Or is there any type of equity involved or equity groups, um, stock options or stuff like that? Um, yeah, I, I can't speak too much to that just because I'm not involved in like I'm not the HR person, and so I don't do the hiring, and I don't really. I actually don't know what the compensation plan is for a lot of the the team members. That's not really my my area. Yeah, makes sense. No, and then in terms of then with the setup of your team, they're all international team members, remote, all over. Correct. Yeah, we're all over the world. We have our CEOs in Taiwan, and so we have we have I'd say maybe five or six total people in Taiwan. We have team members in the Philippines who help with, you know, with like customer support and VAs. We have a few in the US, Australia. I'm fully nomadic, so I'm in a different place every every month. But yeah, we're kind of spread out all over all over the world. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. And what, one of the things that really attracts me to your model, and I think we briefly chatted before recording, is finding that key differentiator for the sellers to understand that you guys are going to really take care of their business. And even though they are willing to sell it, you have a different model like buy and hold. And that tells a lot. So you mind sharing as well, like what else do you think makes that set you apart from traditional firms out there or your competitors that are having different models? Yeah, I think it's actually important when you're speaking to the seller that you first find out what's important to them and then, you know, you model your offer around that because every every person has, you know, they have different expectations and they different things are important to them. So I think it's important to figure out, you know, what they need first. But like, you know, 
kind of what I mentioned earlier with the aggregators and pulling some kind of some of those like sneaky things where they'll lowball you right before closing. So those are kind of, you know, those are things that we would never do. We're very straightforward. We, most of our transactions close very quickly. So that's another thing. I know some of these, these roll-ups, you know, they claim to close in two weeks. I don't really know if that's actually true or not, but I think how we treat the, the team after, after acquisition is really important for the buyer because, you know, obviously they're getting a nice exit. So they want to make sure that, you know, their team doesn't get fired and, you know, they, there's opportunity for them to grow with the company. So I think that's usually uh, one of the more important things for them. Overall, it's also just about personality and likability. You know, we've had, you know, we've had deals we were able to close just because, you know, similar interests or we had similar connections, Facebook groups, just, just kind of being in the same, in the same network and running in the same circles helps as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, the long-term, again, going back to the long-term, a lot of the, uh, the new people in the industry right now, they want something fast and quick and, and it does take time. And I think based on a presentation that you share in a group that you are, you and I were part of the Dynamic Circle communities, a group of online entrepreneurs. I saw your presentation. I really, really enjoy it. I wish I could be on your next presentation so I can, but it looks super cool. And, you know, you were chatting about the different type of businesses that you guys buy uh, from e-commerce to content. So it looks like you, you guys are also evolving your criteria. And what is kind of your core focus right now? What would it be your ideal business size or industries? So business size, we're looking acquisition price, I'd say in the, probably one to $7 million range. And hopefully that'll go up, you know, over time. So based, you know, based on that range, I'd say the EBITDA would be about, you know, 300,000 and up. So yearly net profit. We're exploring different models. You know, one of the things is not only do we want to acquire like a solid business, right? We also look where we can uh, fill in the gaps with our team. So if we're lacking in, for example, the, the paid marketing department, and there's a, there's a business for sale, an agency, and they have a strong pay team. That's also potentially an acqui hire for us. So not only do we get a good business, we also get, you know, very knowledgeable team members that can supplement and support our other businesses as well. So we look to see where we can find synergies, either with the businesses we own, like in the verticals, or just with our, the company structure and portfolio of like the team members. As far as the type of business, kind of what I mentioned earlier, we like digital products, courses, services, agencies, and SaaS. SaaS is a little bit trickier, I'd say, because I think it depends on how it's structured and the multiples. They generally seem to be higher for SaaS, whereas you know we like to generally acquire them in the kind of the three to five x range. So some some SaaS businesses fall into that. Some look to go a lot higher. It kind of just depends on the on the numbers. Yeah, makes sense, and it's. It's always a discussion about like, oh, what's the best business model? And that's a definitely a tricky question because it, it adds, you know, every single business has complexity and, and requirements for people and team. And ultimately, I think that's what you guys are noticing as well with 40 team members, no matter how passive it will be to buy something and, and, and keep it with minimum work, the more work that you do, the better returns and the better the whole ecosystem keeps getting and, and, you know, it's a, it's a different mind shift. So, you know, I think even from other groups in the past that have tried the whole, okay, we just buy and we do nothing. We just give them. We have seen when, you know, that, that doesn't end 
end up in a good position. So it looks like you guys are buying and, and, and doing a lot of work either at the beginning, you know, midterm and long term as well to grow it actively. Is that is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't believe in the whole, you know, passive website investment model. It doesn't work. That's something that just sold, you know, to users to get them to invest, but that there's no such thing, right? Any website, if you take over um, and you just let it sit there, eventually your competitors are going to come over and they're going to clean you out. So it's not like real estate where you can just buy, you know, buy property, rent it out and keep collecting with a business of any kind. You kind of have to keep growing it. Have you are you familiar with what happened with Income Store? Do you know? Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, that's exactly what I was referring to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Income Store does they did a couple things which you see other companies are doing. One was they sold the dream of the whole passive investment thing, which, as I mentioned, doesn't exist. Two, I don't really know. Like, I don't think they started out as a Ponzi scheme, but if you look at what happened with them, is you know, they promised all these returns. They grew so fast. They were buying all these businesses, but they're having the same problems that these aggregators are having is they don't have enough people or talent to actually, you know, to grow these businesses. And eventually they started dying. If you looked at a lot of those businesses, when the list came out, you know, most of them were like completely worthless after a year. And that's, you know, that's, that's common in the industry when you're growing so fast and you just can't manage the businesses. The other thing that I hear about is a lot of these aggregators, you know, they hire these MBAs and these people from Fortune 500 companies, and they just don't have like hands-on entrepreneurial experience to manage, you know, an affiliate website, an Amazon FBA business. It's not their world and they just don't have any experience. And because of that, you know, the businesses are declining and they're trying to apply one model that they learn in school or at a large company to this like sort of small business entrepreneurial world, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, very different set of skill sets, even though those could be very beneficial for, you know, our world, our online marketing world. I think that's where that that huge gap is the core issue right now for those aggregators, like not having the in-depth experience on this type of businesses. And, you know, yes, leadership, it's critical, but at the same time, you have to have the people that can make things happen, right? So, you know, I'm looking here at your presentation. And again, for, for the for the people listening, this is a presentation that was shared at Slide Deck and, and super comprehensive Slide Deck about what makes a good business and where to find opportunities and buying processes. And some of those things we have discussed here in the podcast. But, you know, Yuri, I would love to, to hear some of your success stories. You don't have to disclaim like the name of the site, but if you want to just share about perhaps, you know, some of the really, really cool stories about acquisitions or deals that you found. And and yeah, so we, we can just go ahead and maybe just start with one. What, what's been your business that just blown your mind and, and either the deal terms or the way that the business performs or the results that you guys were able to get? Sure. So one of them, I actually think we got lucky. We managed to acquire an e-commerce brand for basically it was almost for free. And we just got lucky because the guy was retiring. He was selling the business, including the revenue. So we got it somewhere between free and like one X. I don't remember the exact amount, but it was basically, you know, it was, it was just a great deal, kind of right place, right time. Was it off market? Yes, it was off market. Okay. And it was one of those that, you know, we've been able to grow pretty significantly since acquiring it. 
Another one was in the in the SEO space. This was, uh, I forget what broker it was, but it was one of the larger brokers. We acquired it, and then within like three or four months, we were able to to double the the revenue on that business. Wow! But yeah, it's it, I'd, I'd say it's kind of tricky now, just with with kind of the market. It's a very hot market right now. So I actually saw a supplement business for sale, and I think it was for fifty thousand. And I, I'm like, you know, we did a call with the sellers. We thought it was great, so we made them an offer. And by that time, they already had two offers over the acquisition price. And I think we ended up offering double. So we offer, we offered them a hundred thousand and they were asking for 50 and that wasn't even close to the offers that they were, they were getting. So that just kind of shows you how hot the market is right now. Yeah, absolutely. And that was my, my next question about the biggest challenges that you are seeing in the industry. And we touched a little bit on that, like, you know, the, the model of the aggregators and some context for people listening as well. There's, over 230 aggregators around the world, Trashio, uh, which is the one that you was mentioning, and I would love to, uh, I'll add the link to the article in the show notes about the new CEO. I definitely want to dig into that article, and I recommend you guys um, go check out what Trashio is doing. But in a nutshell, there's, yeah, other 200 like them, there's people um, raising anywhere from 10 to 50 to 100 to a billion dollars to go acquire this this type of businesses, online business, primarily Amazon or e-commerce. And that has radically changed the whole trajectory of either starting online businesses, running online businesses, but most importantly, selling. And it just kind of upset, like it completely messed up what we knew about e-commerce acquisitions in the past three years. And but what are some of the other challenges that you've seen out there that, that your team is aware and, and you personally have seen as well after reviewing so many deals? Yeah. I mean, some are kind of on the surface where we won't even look at them just because like I'd say unrealistic selling prices. If, if you look at a lot of the businesses on like microacquire, you know, they're making, you know, they're netting a hundred thousand a year and they're asking for like $4 million. I've seen a lot of startups on microquire. They've raised funding. They haven't been able to make the business work. So now they're asking for millions of dollars so they can pay investors back. So definitely a lot of like unrealistic expectations on what the value of a business is. As far as just things I've seen, um, we've looked at some where, you know, the business looked good, but then we had our developer look at uh, the code during due diligence. And it just would have been one of those where if we wanted to grow the business, we'd need to uh, refactor the code, which basically means like we'd have to rewrite it. And, you know, that would have taken months to do and just added a, a big expense to that. So we ended up not acquiring that business. See, th- there was actually one incident we had where a business that we helped acquire for an investor, there was there was some things by the employees of the business that they were doing illegally, which the owner didn't really know about. So just for example, like he had like he had deals with some of his customers where he would give them a percentage of revenue back for every order they placed. He also then stole some of the customer data after the acquisition and was pr- promoting his services and he had like a competing business. So there's definitely some things that are, you know, are hard to catch during due diligence. A lot of the things I see, a lot of businesses try to sell on their way down, right? So for whatever reason, maybe because of the iOS update, Facebook ads started to tank. So they're selling their business. You know, a lot of the things I've seen, you said you're into e-commerce. So one of the common things I saw in e-commerce, especially last year, and I'm not sure if it's still happening, but 
because of logistic issues, either, you know, a lot of the products were out of stock. There was a lot of refund rates, uh, a lot of unfulfilled orders. So, you know, there's just a lot of logistical issues because of, because of, I think it started with COVID and then kind of continued that, that made e-commerce acquisitions more difficult just because of all the kind of all the different processes involved. Have you seen that from your side, looking at the, you know, being in the e-commerce space? Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, that's definitely one of the, you know, for a lot of our clients, we, we have about 150 clients that we manage right now, the agency that I just bought and getting a lot of insights about logistics and, you know, supply chain and all of that. A lot of the large, you know, either manufacturing plants or any kind of activity or operational presence that they had in China, it's now being uh, delayed for months or weeks. And so a lot of them are heavily looking into Latin America, you know, South America, Mexico and Central America. So happens to be that I'm originally from Venezuela. I speak the language and I'm like, well, I can definitely get to uh, get some, some exposure. In fact, next month I'm going to Mexico City to try to, you know, understand the ecosystem in there, what's happening there. There's a lot of also regulations and changes that have been happening um, in Mexico for U.S. companies to hire people in Mexico. They now have some regulations. You have to have some things in place. So, you know, a lot is happening, but I think ultimately all those entrepreneurs that are leading in the e-commerce world, they are going to find a way. I, I do say, like you mentioned, like it is a really, really clear challenge when you have, you know, like, you know, somebody that I talked to last week, he say, yeah, we have like over 10,000 orders stock in China for the past four weeks. So that's quite a challenge. And then I think their software development team is in Russia. In Russia. And so, yeah, next thing you know, like, what used to be your leading advantage is now becoming, you know, your worst enemy. And that's where we as an entrepreneurs, we have to go find, you know, what do we do next? Yeah. Every, every industry has the, has their challenges. You know, when we used to acquire like affiliate sites, you know, we, anytime there was like a, a Google, like core algorithm update, you would just hold your breath and hoping, you know, the site doesn't tank. Because that's kind of the trouble when you when you have a, a business you've built entirely on SEO, you know, and it does like affiliate marketing and it can't work with paid ads, then you're sort of at the mercy of Google. It's the same thing with Amazon, right? You're at the mercy of Amazon that they won't change an algorithm and, you know, your entire business tanks. Or, you, you know, one person complains about your product and they suspend your listing about two months. So a lot of these businesses are just very risky. So we kind of, we look for the ones where we can diversify the, uh, the risk just, you know, by looking at businesses that have, you know, diversified traffic and revenue from different sources and different channels. Absolutely. And in terms of your role, like as a strategy uh, and head of acquisitions like that has probably put you in a whole lot of different situations where you learn and you overcome challenges. And since we're chatting about all these issues and problems in the industry. What are some of the the challenges that, you know, within the past two or three years that you've seen that you and your team have been able to to either, you know, address or identify? Because, I mean, the reality is some, some of the times we don't even notice that the issues are there until it's too late. But what are some of those core, specifically about acquisitions in general, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was one business we acquired where, you know, the seller was from Vietnam. I asked them a lot of questions about, there's a lot of images on the site. It was basically selling physical products, but based on images. 
And he said like he had all the images licensed from one of the stock photo sites. And, you know, it was my mistake. I didn't do enough proper due diligence because after the sale, I realized that he had bought the licenses of the images on some Vietnamese stock photo site. And obviously it was not authorized by the, the stock photo sites where the images actually came from. So every image was actually like an example of copyright infringement. And on top of that, it, wasn't, it wouldn't have been the proper license anyway, because when you want to sell, when you use the images from a stock photo site and you use them to sell a, like a physical product, you need to buy an extended license, which you know he didn't have and most people are not even aware of that's, that's what you needed to do. So we had to kind of change the, the business model around there and get rid of all of those products that had those copyrighted images on there. Trying to think other examples, challenges. Yeah, I'd say, you know, we, we have bought businesses that have taken a hit with like with SEO after an update. So that's where we kind of have to just dive in. And depending on the issue, we might need to, you know, basically redirect the website to a completely new domain name. Depending on what the penalty was, we might need to just improve link building or the content on the website. So it's kind of a, a case by case basis. Yeah, makes sense. No, absolutely. And, and in terms of the, you mentioned current focus, you're now open to other type of businesses and you mentioned productized services. Is that because of the ability of having, like you mentioned, the acquihire and, and are you guys looking to buy more like larger businesses now compared to like before it was like anywhere, you know, from 50 to a hundred to 200,000, like based on what you just say, you, you are now interested in more established businesses, correct? Yeah. So we're looking at at least like a million dollar acquisition price. And the reason is when you buy a smaller business, there's not enough revenue in there to support growth, right? Because you, you want somebody, you want to hire somebody to, to run it. You want to increase the marketing, the content. So you want to have like funds to grow it. And when you acquire a small business, there's just not enough profit there for that. And then also operationally, you know, you're going to be doing the same amount of work to grow a small site or a large site, right? So you, you might as well grow a large site. It's... I'd say it's not that much harder to grow, you know, a large site and it just, it, it's going to be a more profitable venture that way. Yeah. So we try to stay away from, from the smaller ones. Actually something uh, you mentioned about some things that went wrong. We actually tried to acquire a Facebook group. This was about a year ago. So we actually did, we acquired a Facebook group with about a hundred thousand members in there, but we didn't really understand the audience at all. And the audience was very tied to the moderators uh, of that group. So after we acquired it and the, mem- the moderators found out, they basically posted in the group and it just turned into a disaster. And I had 100,000 people in the Facebook group just sending me constant messages and cursing at me and things like that. So we ended up actually giving the group back to the, uh, the previous owner. But it's one of those cases that you have to understand the audience of the business you're buying because a lot of, you know, a lot of businesses might be built around either a persona or tied to somebody. And so you kind of just have to understand what it is that you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious, what, what industry, you don't have to mention the, the name of the, of the Facebook group, but it was an uh, online business type of community or is it a different type of industry? Yeah, I'd say it was in the pet. I could say it's in the pets vertical. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I figure I figure it was going to be something like that. And I was looking earlier as well at, uh, on your website. So for the listeners on Foley.com, I have the link in the show notes. 
And here, you know, I was going to ask you about the creative industry. A good friend of mine, he has a lot of training and info products in the uh, arts and craft industry. And he has to be a lot of these large Facebook groups. And it's interesting. It's a whole different ball game. It's uh, the way, like you mentioned, the way that people interact in there. It's very, very different from what we've seen in like online business stuff. Like anything related to business is more straightforward. Here, it's like you mentioned, it's very centralized and very um, dependent on the moderators and the influencers or the content creators and whatnot. So it's uh, it's quite interesting to see those businesses that are more community. I mean, the community aspect is phenomenal, but it's also very challenging to keep up after an acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one of the other things I see is a lot of, and I think this goes more for like blogs and maybe affiliate websites is a lot of them are built by sort of these mommy bloggers about crafting or recipes, right? So, you know, it's basically their entire life is built around the site. You know, they put their heart and soul on it. They work on it day and night. And eventually one day, you know, they're ready to sell it. Somebody buys it for, you know, six or seven figures. And after that, it just starts to decline because they don't give it the same, you know, the same attention, the same love that the old owner used to do. And they think they can just outsource you know, some of the content material, outsource the content writing, and it's going to perform. But it, it usually doesn't do as well. And I see this so many times where it just starts declining because they don't have that persona and that, you know, they don't have that persona behind that brand anymore. And they don't put as much attention and detail into it. They're not creating YouTube videos. They're not, you know, they're not engaging with um, other people and interested in that audience on Facebook groups. So it's one of those things where, you know, depending on the site you buy, it might be helpful to have somebody there in charge of it who's going to be, you know, the face of the company and is really passionate about the industry that it's in. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And I'm here on your website. You have over 38 sites managed, over 4 million monthly websites, visits, 4.2 portfolio revenue. So in order to acquire, was, is it more than 40 now? More than 40 sites total? I, I don't even know their total number. <laughs> That's a good problem to have, but I'll, I'll assume that you have over what you look at over a thousand businesses at this point in the past four years, prospectus and business for sale, at least your team. I mean, yeah, probably. Wow. That's <laughs> quite a lot of data. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, excellent. No, I think, you know, like I mentioned, there's a lot going on on infolio.com. Dominic and your team are super, super active and you guys are, have been able to uh, share quite a few success stories. So I, you know, appreciate you guys for the knowledge. Even here on your side, you have, a, you know, I see right here, business we pass on. Looks like a pretty, pretty in-depth breakdown. So again, for the people listening, there's some really good content on the website on folly.com. In terms of people that you look up to uh, in the industry, are there any mentors or people that you follow that helps you understand more about acquisitions? Yeah, I mean, I definitely follow a lot of what, you know, different companies do. You know, there's a company like Red Ventures, they're holding company, mostly a lot of like content affiliate sites. You mentioned Tiny Capital, right? That's one we look at as well. Yeah, I actually have a list somewhere of like the holding companies that we kind of look at. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of great people in this space doing great things. Yeah, I'm subscribed to a, a number of different newsletters, both from from brokers and other people in the space. 
So I try to kind of just stay up to date on, you know, different people uh, on Twitter and, and Facebook groups, things like that. One other thing I kind of forgot to mention is just to keep in mind for people who are looking to buy businesses is, you know, when you find businesses for sale for brokers, right, the brokers are representing the sellers. So, you know, their best interests are for the sellers. Because I've seen a number of brokers sell businesses that are against the, the business that they're selling violates the terms of service of whatever it's built around. So it might be something on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And it's basically, you know, you're kind of buying a short-term business because it's only a matter of time uh, before one of these like services either sues you or such, shuts down your business. But, you know, this business is going to be listed either on brokers or marketplaces like Flippa and Microacquire. So it's really on the buyer to do the due diligence and to know, you know, the, the kind of business they're buying and whether it violates uh, the terms of service of, uh, of any of the, the platforms that it's on. Yeah, that's a huge one. I, even with LinkedIn, I think there's a lot of platforms out there that I've seen in Microacquire that they are absolutely breaking the terms for what LinkedIn allows. So it's a lot of LinkedIn automations. There are some of them that are apparently clean and like they are, you know, white label, not white label. You know, they're, they're not doing this black hat type of strategy, but more aligned with what LinkedIn wants to do. But the majority of them are not a good fit and, and, and they still sell those businesses, which is quite impressive. But yeah, at any point, LinkedIn can shut down the whole thing or just come with a legal you know, action to try to shut down all of these different platforms. Uh, so no, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I think in terms of Onfolio, before we wrap up, I, I want to make sure that people get to know more about what you guys are up to right now. So you mentioned before you were working with a different model of having people, you, you were managing sites and, and people could invest with you guys. And, you know, today at May 2022, the time of this recording, what's the ideal client for you guys or investor? I would say you guys are not taking any clients, correct? Correct. We're no longer clients. So at this point, we're just looking for deal flow. So if anybody you know has a business in the in the digital product service agency or SaaS space and they're looking to make an exit, that's basically what we're looking for. So yeah, we right now we are just in the growth stage, looking to acquire businesses. You know, like I mentioned, we're I'm doing a lot of cold outreach and off market deal flow just to find more opportunities that are outside the realm of brokers and marketplaces. Okay. Excellent. Well, no, this is, has been super, super insightful. I think, yeah, the market continues to change pretty quickly, but it is fascinating to see what you guys are doing. And to wrap up, you know, what's giving you hope about either the industry or, you know, what you guys are doing on Unfolio for the next year or two? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely excited about the space. You know, traditionally, all these investors used to only invest in like brick and mortar businesses into real estate so it's nice to see how, how big the space is growing. A lot of family offices are now getting involved and investing in, into you know, digital real estate. So it's just it's fascinating to see how big this industry is, is going to get. I think this is just the beginning. If you look at like traditional investments that investors would have in real estate, where it would be you know, maybe 8% a year or something, and you see what they're able to get with digital assets, you know, that's why they're putting so much more money into it. And that's why you're seeing a lot of these aggregators, right? It's just because the returns on investment in online businesses are a lot higher than other asset classes. There's obviously a risk that comes with it, but the returns are that much greater. So yeah, it's just a, a great space to be in right now. Excellent. Well, anything else before we wrap up that you would like to share with the audience for 
especially their, you know, buyers or sellers in this market and, and yeah, any, any final advice? Um, you know, just, just know, you know, what you're uh, getting into, do your due diligence, make sure you have help on your side, regardless of what side you're on. You want to make sure you have some advisors, maybe lawyers, um, accountants, you know, if you're acquiring, uh, you know, a SaaS business, you want to have like a developer look through the code. So yeah, just, you know, just be careful and go make some money. Excellent, Yuri. Thank you so much for your time. And for you guys listening, this is Invest in Scale, another episode. Go check out unfolded.com. And thank you, Yuri. Have a great day. Thanks, you too.